You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. Well, good morning one more time and welcome to Grace Community Church. So glad that you have chosen to be here this morning, so grateful always, I don't say it every Sunday, but so grateful for the worship team and all of the work that they put into doing their best for the Lord. Um, There are so many people coming and going that it's just really difficult to point someone out just because of the nature of our connection with Campbell University and the Research Triangle and it's people coming and going, and so if you say goodbye to one, hello to another, you know, you, you're, you're sure to leave people out, so rarely do that. It's uh, maybe representative of so many that um, David McMullen this morning probably played violin for the last time. We, he's been to our home group. He'll be doing his residency this year at Greensboro. Uh, we, so far, we've been able to get him to replace himself with another med student at our home group, which is desperately in need of medical advice, most of my age. So we have also required that he replace himself with the violin, but his sister is here, so Stacia, so we don't, you know, we don't lose anything there. But Stacia, when you leave, uh, you're going to have to replace him. And also, we welcome two new members of the covenant community known as Grace Community Church. Evelyn Page Turner, just a few days ago, and a few days before that, Claire Louise McGuire. We're so grateful for these two new ones that were born. Um, ben, I don't know, man, you guys got there really early, right? Uh, yeah. Claire came in like 10 minutes after they arrived at the uh, uh, hospital. So that was a close call. Better than Sean and Melissa Cross (laughs) with Miles Cross. We all know that story. Uh, Born on the side of Highway 55. Someone said, man, you're going to have one of those. You'll never believe this about me. When you play those breakers at games, you know, I was born on the side of the road. So that's a good one to have. Well, if, if today were Bear Your Soul Sunday, and be perfectly honest, let me rephrase, start over. Bear Your Soul and Be Perfectly Honest Sunday. And I were asked to ask for a show of hands, which I'm not, but if I were to ask for a show of hands, and, and I were to ask, how many of you really love and you're quite successful in your prayer life? How many love to pray? How many would just raise your hand? Oh, yes. That is me. I wonder how many others would be honest and say with me that it is the most difficult spiritual discipline that I, I, I try to engage. It's prayer is just difficult. The instant I start to pray, well, uh, problems that don't even exist in the world are already being solved in my mind. That's just the way it works. I can't help it. I go off in a hundred different Uh, directions. Um, So let's go to another area, not just prayer, but while we're talking about it, how many of you feel guilty a whole lot? Guilty about anything and everything. Look, maybe it's just my personality. Maybe it is um, 
my a generational thing. Maybe it's the legalistic teaching that has been around since the earliest days of the church. But guilt sometimes feels like my constant companion, especially when I think about something along the lines of prayer. I just constantly feel guilty. I do wonder if guilt is um, somewhat generational. Look, there are many things I used to feel guilty about that no longer trouble me, partly because culture has moved on. Maybe it's, it's in part that I've matured and I've grown and moved on and other uh, factors that would sort of make me feel a little less guilty than I used to. Look, some, I, I, I think in some ways it's a good thing that we don't feel as guilty as we used to. And sometimes it's, it's not a good thing at all that we don't feel guilty about things that we feel comfortable engaging as the people of God. Today's text, Colossians 4, verses 2 to 6, is tailor-made to make me feel guilty. Just absolutely, perfectly structured. But that's not fair. It's not the text at all. The problem is not with the text. The problem is my own. Even though I was saved by grace through faith that Jesus died for me, I tend to live by the law. And when you live by the law, you're either really self-righteous or you feel really guilty all of the time. One of the two. Like, hey, there are very few people as good as me. Or, oh, I'll never measure up. If I can just be good enough, if I can just do more, if I can just pay God back for the wrong that I have done and for the things that I haven't, the good that I haven't done, Then he'll be pleased with me. Until then, I shall remain guilty as charged. It's not that guilt in itself is bad. Well, it's not that conviction from the Holy Spirit is bad. Guilt of the wrong sort can be quite destructive. And and it's an odd thing because guilt puts the focus on me rather than on God. We quickly find ourselves in a payback sort of mindset, an earning sort of type of thinking. Just think of the difference between Peter and Judas when Jesus was crucified. They both messed up royally. Peter went out and wept bitterly in repentance for denying Jesus. Judas tried to pay back what he had done wrong. I mean, he literally tried to pay God. He, he came and said, Look, I didn't know it was going to amount to this. Here, take your money. He sought to pay off his debt and assuage his guilt. It's an insult to God to try to pay off the debt caused by your sin. God, I'm sorry, but I'll make it up to you. Most people, that's how most people live. But when you understand the cross of Christ, that is an insult. Peter was forgiven, and Judas went to the grave with his guilt. That's the benefit of the gospel over law. So where is all of this talk going about guilt? Well, it is a series about witnessing, after all. So do you feel guilty about your witnessing or lack thereof? Look, Christian outreach, sharing the gospel is difficult for many believers... On many different levels. The guilt, though, may be unnecessary. 
The title of today's message is Make the Most of Every Opportunity. It's taken from our text, but it's the New International Translation of Colossians 4 5, not the ESV from which we'll read, but we'll get to all of that uh, in a little bit. So what was the Apostle Paul talking about when he said make the most of every opportunity or make the best use of your time? He was talking about sharing Christ with unbelievers. And you may be thinking, exactly, that's why I feel guilty. Because I have plenty of opportunities and I don't take advantage of them. Hang in there. Hang in there. I hope you'll be encouraged by this text today. Let's read Colossians 4, 2 through 6. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version, and I'll ask you if you would, please stand as the word is being read. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, Or while you're praying, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison. That I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time or Taking advantage of the opportunity. Making the most of every opportunity. Let your speech always be gracious. Seasoned with salt. So that you may know how how you ought to answer each person. Let's pray. Well, Lord. um, We pray that our hearts would be instructed convicted, encouraged, comforted, excited, all of those things by the truth of your word this morning. I pray that as these words meant a great deal to the hearers in the first century, that they would mean a great deal to us. And that, Lord, you would, through the efforts of the people in this room this morning and those who are hearing Later, in different ways, in different forms, I just pray that the kingdom would advance because of our hearts being drawn to pray for and to witness to those who don't know Christ. Lord, use us in your great plan. What a privilege. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Be seated. Colossians 4, verses 2 to 6, pretty much makes up the the concluding thoughts that Paul offered to this letter to a a church in Colossae. It was a church that he had never visited. It was actually founded by a friend of Paul's named Epaphras. He was, though, bound in Christ with these brothers and sisters in Colossae, some of whom he knew from various uh, travels and ministry contexts throughout the empire. Uh, Colossians is a short book. I don't know if you've ever spent a great deal of time here. I've actually, I'm, I'm thinking very seriously about preaching through it soon. I, I think, other than the book of Psalms, I probably preach more messages from the book of Colossians than any other one for standalone messages like this. It is possibly, short as it is, it is possibly one of the most Christ-centered books 
in all of Scripture. And if you've never spent a great deal of time in Colossians, I would encourage you to do so. If you've got an ESV study Bible, NIV study Bible, why not this week commit to reading through Colossians and looking at the notes and just sitting with the truth and allowing the truth of Colossians to sit with you. After Colossians 4, 6, which is the very end of our, our text for this morning, uh, the rest of the letter is concerned with the personal greetings and announcement, announcements, which, by the way, confirms the announcements that we give here on Sunday morning. Uh, God is very serious about our communion as a body of believers. And a lot of scripture in the New Testament, not, not a disproportionate amount, but more than you would think probably is taken up just giving greetings and and just little things that are being said about different people in the body colossians 3 11 through 17 which is instruction it's not uh that kind of greeting but it's possibly it, it's not it's just one of the great texts about our community as a body a gospel community i've been thinking about this and talking about it a great deal with my son, Michael. The elders and the deacons have been talking about this as well. I had thought about wrapping up this series uh, at the end of this month with a, uh, a sermon or two about gospel community. But it's so important. I think I'm just going to wait until the students get back in August and maybe take four to six weeks talking about the importance of our communion with one another. We're going to be increasingly driven either toward or away from the church and toward or away from one another. So our best witness, this will come up a little bit later, but our best witness is, is, is when we love one another and we care for one another at the levels that God has called us to care uh, for each other. <laughs> Michael, my son, is preaching today and next week up in Boone. He's not the lead pastor, but he, he preaches a lot when the pastor is gone. And he's preaching from Acts 2. So you'll hear this again in, in August probably. I may ask Michael to come down and preach that sermon. Or I may just steal it from him word for word and <laughs> preach it. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and give the disclaimer. Maybe you will have forgotten by then. And you're saying, man, Pastor Brad was really on today. But at the very end of Acts 2, uh, he's... He, he, Peter has wrapped up his sermon uh, to the people at, at, in Jerusalem at the temple at, at Pentecost. And he says in verse 40, save yourselves from this wicked generation. Wow. He made a mess of presenting the gospel. It may be that it's going to be in contradiction to some of the things that I've said today, but there are times that call for it. He made a mess of presenting the gospel except that 3,000 people got saved. And his point was, come together as a gospel community. That was right at the building of the church. Now he's saying, because of this great relationship that you have in Colossians 4, he's saying, because of this great community that God has built there, do your best to share with other people the truth that has set you free and that can set them free. So... Today's text, Colossians 4, 2 through 6, says a great deal about outreach. I'm surprised that I don't hear this text preached more than I do. Uh, I'm trying to make up for it. This is probably the fourth or fifth time I've preached this through the almost 19 years that I've been here. 
And my thoughts this morning are organized in three sections, beginning with this first one. Pray, believer, pray. And as you pray, ask God for open doors to share Christ. So again, speaking of guilt, how, try this one on for size. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. We're in home groups this week. You're connecting that along with the truth in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Pray without ceasing. How is that even possible? Well, I, it's not that the Lord is saying Engage in uninterrupted prayer all the time. He is saying to pray continually. Not continuously, but continually. Uh, how do you practice the discipline of prayer? I mean, do you wake up in the morning and pray? Or do you have certain times of the day that you pray? Are they structured? Do you work from a list? Do you just go kind of... What are your prayers usually look like? I mean, what do they consist of? Do you worship a lot in prayer? Uh, Do you confess a lot in prayer? Those of you who are guilty like me, you spend a lot of time confessing. Uh, Do you you pray for yourself? Do you pray for others? Do you pray about physical needs, spiritual needs? What does prayer look like for you? I think what the Lord is communicating through Paul in this text Is that we are to always be aware of his presence. Communing with him throughout the day. Look, when your family goes on vacation. uh, Depending on how large your family is. Some of those families like Ricky was talking about. We have a lot of large families. By the way, I'm going to affirm the mess out of that this year in the gospel community series. If If the Lord blesses you with many children, I'm so grateful for that. Um, And if the Lord keeps you from having children, he is sovereign and he has blessed you in whatever reasons and ways that he has chosen to do that. But when you have a lot of people in the car, maybe there are those rare moments that no one is speaking. Where it's just dead quiet. In those moments, are you, do you feel like you're entirely alone or are you just aware I mean, you may be thanking God for the peace and quiet. But are you aware that there are people with you? Yeah, you we're almost always aware, right? That there are others. That's a sense of what the Lord always have him in mind. Know that his presence is so near. And that he desires that we commune with him throughout the day. Look, we're incapable of practicing uninterrupted prayer. And indeed, the Lord has provided work and recreation for our purpose and pleasure. It's a good thing. Even Adam and Eve in their perfect state, when did God typically come to them? In the cool of the day. It's not like they were there. He was there with them all the time, but they were always aware of his presence. And when they forgot about his presence, they got in trouble. To continue steadfast in prayer is not only to acknowledge God's sovereignty over all things, but in this context and in our New Testament context, to believe that our prayers are a part of his plan for establishing his kingdom on the earth. Does he need our prayers to do that? No. Well, yes. Because it's according to his design. It's the same thing. 
Could God just come down to people in, in a vision in the middle of the night and save them without anybody witnessing to him? Yes, he could. And you may say, oh, I know. So, no, what you know is someone had a vision or a, a, a dream at night and the Lord said, go to this coffee shop and see this person or do this or that. You'll some kind of connection, but they're led to an individual who tells them about Christ. It's part of his design and it's a beautiful thing. And, 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 and a stunning design that our prayers are vital for the salvation of souls. That's why Paul asked the Colossians, people that he had never met before, to pray that God would open doors for him to be able to share the gospel. Now, what Paul didn't ask prayer for is the very first thing that I would have asked prayer for. Brothers and sisters, pray that this unjust imprisonment would come to an end. I need to be out of this place. Paul didn't say, hey, pray that I'll get out of prison. Instead, Paul acknowledged that since he was in chains because he shared the gospel, he must supposed to be sharing the gospel under house arrest. And so, dear friends in Colossae, pray that God will open a door for me to share the gospel. And pray that when he does open the door, I'll know what in the world I'm supposed to say. I don't want to mess it up. I don't want anybody to be kept from Jesus because of my miscommunication. Pray that the gospel will advance. And people will come to Christ. So just imagine... You're, you're a member of this church in Colossae. Uh, Epaphras, who is a local man, everybody knows Epaphras, used to have a message that I preached from, this, uh, from a text later in, in, in Colossians 4 during the Why I Want to Be Like Mike days. I, I titled it, Why Be Like Mike When You Can Be Like Epaphras. I mean, I thought that's, you know, why, who wouldn't see the wisdom and the value of that? <clears throat> But Epaphras had traveled somewhere, and he heard the gospel. And then he, he, he went back to Colossae, and he began witnessing. And God blessed his efforts, so much so that a church was planted in the town. And, not, and it had grown to the point that it had its own heresy, maybe a, a unique brand of heresy. It was sort of a Jewish spiritual sect that was combined Combining elements of the law, but they had spiritualized the law and tried to combine it all with the gospel. So the great apostle Paul sent a letter that exalted Jesus and the, and the gospel far above any rules or regulations that would get in the way of anyone having a clear view of the cross. It was a big deal for Paul to write to this church. So again, imagine you're this first century believer and the words are being read and you know it's coming from Paul. But for all the world, it just feels like God is speaking directly to you. He was and he is this morning. God's word is coming to you. <clears throat> what did the pastor? I, here's what God's. Here's how God spoke to me this morning. From his word. And then Paul says something like this. 
It's God's design that I'm in prison. Oddly enough to do the very thing that landed me here in the first place. You know, I was proclaiming the gospel. And I was arrested. And here I am in Rome through years of imprisonment in the Middle East. And now I'm in Rome. And so apparently God wants me to keep witnessing right here. Sharing the gospel is his plan to establish the kingdom in this world. And you, friends that I have never met. Are a big part of that plan. So would you pray? Now just imagine your favorite Christian leader. Whoever it may be. Tim Keller, John Piper, John McCoy. Whoever it is. Someone writes a letter to us at Grace and says, look, I know that God has a big role for you to play in what's going on. We think that's a pretty big deal. The same thing with the Apostle Paul. But again, get beyond the people. It's more than people. God is saying to us that he has a big role for Grace Community Church in the advance of his kingdom. Not just in Hornet, Wake, Johnston, Cumberland. How many more do we have now? I don't know. All those counties, we, but in the world, the entire world. Some of you are scared to death to witness to those who may not want to hear the good news. They might become angry with you. They might mock you. They might might lose respect for you. But if you've never witnessed before and you feel the Holy Spirit building this desire in your heart to share Christ with those who don't know him. Can I encourage you to begin by just praying? (laughs) Pray for those who are eager to share Christ. I could look around and I could point out several of you who have the gift of evangelism and, and, and you just love to share Jesus with others. Let's pray for those people. Pray that the Lord would open doors for them. And then by extension, begin praying that the Lord would open doors for you, that he would help you to see yourself in that place in that situation and you're still afraid that's okay we're going to we're going to get to the place where we <clears throat> not only are praying for ourselves but we're thinking about ways that we can share the gospel and then hopefully the Lord will allow us to do so the focus of our second point is this always look <clears throat> for opportunities to share the gospel what is it that you're always looking to do I mean some people <clears throat> They're looking for sales all the time. Look, some people, uh, some people love couponing and, and, and they go to the store and it's the greatest thing that they've got like $200 worth of food for, for $16. You know, they can do that with coupons. I don't know how you have a life beyond that, but you can, you, it can be done. I mean, I hear these bizarre, amazing things. And, and it's just, people are passionate about that. And if that's you... Thank you. I'd like to put in an order for a couple of things, you know, that, that are typically too expensive to buy. But I know that you can get it. Look, some people are always looking at cars and houses. Probably some of you have learned the hard way. You need to share with your spouse before you buy, purchase a car or even purchase, you know, a very nice 
uh, piece of clothing that was on sale. I don't know how you've got it worked out, but you know, you get the point that I'm talking about. I mean, for others, look, it's important to know the latest buzz with electronics. And what's the next form of social media? Oh, Instagram, so 2013. For Paul, it was the opportunity to share the gospel. Share the gospel with those who don't know Jesus. He wanted the Colossians to have the same burden. Look at verse 5. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Now, that's the ESV translation. Here's the NIV translation. Be wise in the way that you act toward those who don't know Christ, is what he's saying. Make the most of every opportunity. The meaning is the same, but the translations have just a a bit of a different feel to them. So why the difference? The, The Greek word that is translated time in the ESV and opportunity in the NIV is the Greek word kairos. And, and here's an expanded definition of kairos. It's a fitting situation that is characterized by suitable circumstances. What's he talking about? The opportunity to witness. Not every encounter with an unbeliever is an opportunity to witness, but there are many more opportunities than most of us perceive. I remember it coming to me very clearly one time. Look, I, I, I've tried to reconstruct these events in my mind, and I, I, I'm, I'm sure I've got dates and times mixed up, but this, when I put them together, it makes the point. And the only reason I say that is because it's important to me to be completely honest and transparent about it. I'm not sure I've got the right place at the right time. Quite a few years ago, I was blessed to go on a, a, a mission trip to the Czech Republic, and look, I was there all week. Saddest people I have ever seen in my life, by the way, in the Czech Republic. It's a very atheistic country. Very few people that believe in any religion of any sort. And, man, we were involved in all kinds of, of, of witnessing activities. While I was there, I flew down to Budapest uh, because we had a missionary couple there, Dennis and Linda Beck. And of all the time that I spent in Prague doing all of this activity that was to lead to evangelistic opportunities, um, by far the best witnessing opportunity came on one of those flights, I think coming back from Budapest to Prague. There was a guy from, from Italy originally who had moved to Philadelphia. He was a businessman and he was Catholic. But we had a, a great conversation about the gospel. It just led into, I was looking for ways, anything that anybody says, I'm looking for a way to to move in. Not just, uh, well, that reminds me, do you know that if you don't know Jesus, you're going to hell? That's That's not what I'm talking about. But just find a way to connect and start to share the gospel. And it was a beautiful opportunity. So I'm not sure if it was that trip or another, but then, you know, just it was that when we got, went to London and we're on our way back and I'm settling in thinking, man, this is great. I'm just going to have another opportunity to witness. And the young woman just put headphones on, not earbuds. It was headphones in the day, you know, and 
I thought, well, this is not an opportunity to witness. And that's the way it is, right? When somebody shuts you down, when you start to talk, hey, 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 hey. That's probably not an opportunity to witness. Just let it go. When people know who you are and they know that you want them to know the truth, they'll find you when the time comes. But don't pass on opportunities. There are lots of opportunities that are available. So you don't have to feel guilty about the times when the Lord closes the door. How can you know when you have an opportunity to witness? Is it only when your friend or the person you're witnessing to, you're sure that they'll be receptive to the news that you have? Heavens no. Look, there, lots of people have died because they've shared Christ with others. You remember in Acts 7, Deacon Stephen was preaching and the religious leaders became infuriated. They wanted to kill him. They were gnashing their teeth. They wanted to kill him, but they needed some legal permission to do it. And there was one with legal authority there. It was Saul, an up-and-coming Pharisee. He was a big deal. And he said, lay your garments right here, your outer garments right here, and get down to business of stoning this man. They killed him. <laughs> and somehow in all of that horrible activity, the Lord used Stephen's sermon to draw Saul, who would become the Apostle Paul, to himself. If you've never witnessed before and you wish you had the courage, man, can I make a few suggestions? First, pray for opportunities as we have been commanded to do. Lord, just, just open up opportunities for me to be engaged in a conversation. And then, then secondly, think about a biblical worldview as you hear people talk, as you observe social media, as you watch Netflix. Look, there is almost nothing out there in the entertainment world that gives God any kind of credible place at all. Usually he's not mentioned at all. And if he is, it's almost as a joke or the people who do it are crazy people. And who would want to follow advice from people like that? Just think about a worldview. And then think about, now, if I were to be in this situation, how would I interact with people? What would I say if I were given the opportunity to say something here? How would I engage them? So constantly be thinking about ways that you can interact with people. And then finally, think about how you would respond to a person who has a nonchalant attitude about religion or who adheres to a what goes around comes around kind of karma belief system, a law approach to God. What would you say if you had the courage? Think deeply about it. That may be again one of those reasons that the New Testament authors spend so much time explaining the gospel to those who already believe it. Because when you know it well enough, it spills out. You can't contain it. It just happens. You may utterly lack courage and find yourself witnessing one day. 
just because it has to be said. Sooner or later, it's going to spill over. And that's when you need to be very careful, which is the focus of our last point. Avoid putting impediments or obstructions, obstacles between sinners and the cross. You ever heard someone say something like, you know, I, I, I would believe Christianity. It makes the most sense. But then I look at people who say that they're Christians and I just have no interest whatsoever. Look, I can understand that we, we can make a mess of things, but it's just so sad to hear something like that. Each person is going to answer for himself or herself. But what a shame when we muddy the waters with our words and our actions. Michael Horton said this, The only thing that the church can provide to the world that is truly unique is the gospel. That's right, isn't it? I mean, anything else that we can offer, non-believing individuals and organizations can offer as well, including love. They can give love. Financial assistance, social justice, encouragement, training, on and on we could go. Anything that we can do apart from offering the gospel to those who don't know Jesus someone else can do with more resources more effectively whatever but the one thing that we have to offer to others is the gospel we have the privilege of sharing the gospel if you belong to Jesus you're a part of the church and you should offer the one thing that very few people in the world possess the good news that Jesus died for our sins and when someone repents of sin and believes in Jesus then eternal life is his or her possession. One cannot earn eternal life. It must be received. That's the gospel. Without the gospel. Big trouble. With Jesus. Eternal life. You get to tell people the good news. And how shall we deliver this good news? Let your speech always be gracious. Season with salt. So that you may know how you ought to answer each person. May I ask you a personal question? It's going to really be personal. I have to get the drink of water. How do you feel about those who think differently than you do about social issues and politics? Do you care more about aligning with people on social issues or on the gospel? Have you put something on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter other than the gospel that may possibly have offended someone? Maybe someone who is not a believer? You said something like, I have no respect for people that think like this or that. None whatsoever. By the way, the New Testament indicates that it is at least as serious to offend a believer as it is an unbeliever. Possibly even more so. Are politics really that important to you? 
even if you would be willing to say to someone's face what you're willing to put on. Some people say, oh, they just use Facebook because they're not willing to say. Even if you would say it to their face, should you? How does that line up with Colossians 4, 6? Was your speech gracious this past week? Salt is sometimes in Scripture used to indicate its uh, properties as a, preserva, a, a preservative. But, but of course we know its benefits as a flavor enhancer and well. And that's kind of what, uh, that's almost certain what Paul is talking about here. You know what it's like to have, a perf- to have perfectly seasoned food, don't you? Perhaps you've not eaten at Joe and Stefania's yet. If you did, you would know what perfectly seasoned food tastes like. I get the sense that Paul is saying we should be careful about everything we say to believers, that it needs to be palatable whenever possible. There's a time to say judgment on those who don't believe, but there's also a time to be very careful in the presentation of the gospel. We need to know how to answer them in a winsome manner, with a winsome manner. It's not easy, but it's what we're commanded to do. When you... And look, it's so tempting for me to be this way. When you're bombastic and vitriolic and you're present in the presentation of your beliefs to others, you may very well extrap word making in, pro- in progress. You may obstruct their view of the cross. All they can see is you. They don't get to see Jesus. They don't get to hear the good news that Jesus' death is far more meaningful to us than where we stand on the issues of the day. They cannot understand that Jesus died for sinners because those who profess to know and follow him are so offensive in speech. We're called to be the exact opposite. Paul had asked for prayer that God would open the door for him to proclaim what? The word, the word of God. Don't let your passions, your causes, your vision, your your word get in the way of God's word. Being heard and received. Remove the obstacles, in fact, and let them see Jesus in you. So this morning... With the challenge and the encouragement, I hope, of Colossians 4, 2 through 6, ringing in our hearts. We come to the Lord's table as we do on the first Sunday of every month. And when we partake of the bread and the fruit of the vine, we're reminded of the body of Christ that was broken for us. And we're reminded of the blood that was spilled. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. First Peter reminds us that rather than reacting to those who reviled him, Jesus stood silently before his accusers, entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. I rarely encourage you to think about a specific aspect of your personal walk. We're always focusing on what Jesus did for us and how the gospel comes to life in a, in a very special way when we gather at this table. 
But I want you to be thinking about your relationship with others and sharing the gospel with others and how our speech needs to be gracious and seasoned with salt as we tell the good news to those who don't know him. Are you praying that others will know the Savior who has granted you eternal life? Are you looking for opportunities to graciously share the gospel, thinking deeply about what you'll say and how you'll interact with people as God brings them into your life so that they can see the love of Christ in you? The book of Colossians exalts Jesus as the preeminent one above all creation. And it says as beautifully as any place in Scripture tells us about our union with Christ, how we're united with Him. And we are, that union comes alive when we participate at this table. Not only with Jesus, our union with Christ, but our union with one another. That's the way it's designed. Let's pray. Father, it's, it's really a, it's kind of a strange thing that those of us who believe the gospel so quickly uh, live according to the law. Living by the gospel doesn't mean we just live any way we want to. I, we're, we're servants. We're bond servants. We are committed to you, and yet we are free like nobody else, as our text next week is going to show us. Um, Lord, and even though we are free, we are connected to you. What a privilege it is to be called by your name. Lord, um, today we pray that this truth of Colossians 4 would burn in our hearts as we go from this place, as we look forward to the week ahead where you may give us opportunities to share Christ. It would be a really difficult thing. We would think the world is upside down if all of a sudden we were unjustly accused and put in prison like Paul. But Lord, you may use the, the most bizarre of circumstances to, to open doors for us to share Jesus. And we pray against that, but we pray that whatever it is that you bring into our lives... And the connection that we have with those who don't know Christ. That we would be praying about that. And that we would, we would know how to answer. And that we would be looking for opportunities that you put in our past. So this morning as we come to the table. We pray uh, that you would open our hearts. And fill them full with the truth of the gospel. Which we celebrate and, and remember and participate in in amazing ways at the table. In Jesus' name, amen. For the benediction today, we'll look a little earlier in Colossians. Hear these words from Paul. Christ is before all things, and in him all things hold together. 
and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil things, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. Go in peace this week. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church, located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.